The following podcast is proudly sponsored by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. It's just 45 minutes from downtown Toronto, nestled between Rattlesnake Point and Mount Nemo on the Niagara Escarpment. If you're looking for great golf at an affordable price, look no further than Crosswinds. And if you're looking for a perfect venue to hold your special event, you found it. Great food, spectacular facilities, and the nicest people you'll ever meet. Book your tee time online and save big. Go to crosswindsgolf.com and we'll see you there. Now, let's start the show. And welcome to Hebsey on Sports episode number John Havlicek, Mickey Rivers, Philip Rivers, Wendell Clark. I'm your host, Mark Hepsher. Today on the show, the aftermath of the Kawhi Leonard departure. That's what we're calling it. There's arrivals and there's departures. Remember when he arrived? Remember when he departed? What are the Raptors going to look like next year? And should they retire Kawhi's number two? One season, one championship. Is that enough to retire someone's number? Is Don Cherry going to return for another season of Coach's Corner on Hockey Night in Canada or those other... Is he only on Hockey Night in Canada or is he on the other Rogers broadcasts? I I never can tell. I think just Hockey Night in Canada. All right. I'm not sure I can differentiate between the two uh, telecasts. Which Hockey Night in Canada is Saturday nights. It's the national one. Oh, that doesn't explain anything to me at all. According to Grapes, he's coming back. According to at least one sports pundit, he gone. We'll talk about it on Hockey Confidential, brought to you by Titan Blades. Plenty of soccer talk as well. Three huge games on TV yesterday, including the U.S. women taking the World Cup from the Netherlands. Do female soccer players deserve equal pay for their male counterparts? We'll get into that as well. The Blue Jays salvage a win over Baltimore as Vladdy gets ready to perform in the Home Run Derby. A fantastic finish at the 3M Open Golf Tournament. Wimbledon resumes and much more. No trivia, that's right, we're... We're done with that for a while. Maybe we'll take a break from trivia. We'll see if someone wants to come and sponsor the trivia. But um, I haven't. Not, not one person has well, said, "Where's the trivia?" But I missed the trivia. <laughs> I missed the trivia. What happened to the trivia? If there's a potential sponsor who wants to sponsor the trivia, right. hit up Hebsey Man. Yeah, hit me up. And if not, then you're not going to get any trivia. You might get some during the ba- the course of the show. Sort of that, you know, not uh, the official trivia question, but some a little bit of you know, knowledge that uh, you might not have uh, acquired. We'll drop some science with We defiance. might just do that, yeah. So um, when I last spoke to you, Kawhi Leonard had not yet made up his mind. It didn't happen till like, what was it, two in the morning. We recorded on a Friday morning. We record Friday and Monday mornings. So this happened uh, many hours later uh, while many of us were asleep. So I got a little ping because I leave my phone on it like 2.15 in the morning. Bing, Kawhi's gone. No, no. I couldn't sleep the rest of the night. Wondering what the heck and how and give me the backstory to it. But, but anyway, so he's gone now. And then like, like the nation, did the nation weep? Was it like, <laughs> was it a Kauai? Was it a memorial? Was everybody bummed out on Saturday and Sunday? Was just, oh no, he's gone. Or did we kind of know in the back of our minds that the chances of him staying really weren't that great, even though he took a plane here and all that stuff. Like, you know, deep down inside, did you not go... Like, why wouldn't he go home to L.A.? Like, if you were from L.A. and you never saw snow and you had a chance to go back to L.A. So you're thinking, okay, he's gone. But then when you found, when I found out the machinations, the behind-the-scenes, behind-closed-door machinations, that Kawhi really was pimping himself out, kind of, right? Like, you know, yeah, man, if I can get this team to acquire this guy, that, like, why wouldn't he have just sort of said, look, if I can stay with the same team here, and acquire Paul George and get the Raptors to make a deal. But he didn't. He sort of did it in a back backdoor way where he made a phone call to Paul George. First, he made a phone call to Kevin Durant. 
Hey, Katie. It's Kawhi. Who? <laughs> I don't know you. Like, I know you, but I don't know you. I thought you were a quiet guy and you chose your words carefully. And now you want to play with me and we want to do a double team kind of a thing. We'll force another team to make a trade. And so it was kind of a, it was kind of an odd thing to find that stuff out. Cause at first you're like, Oh damn, he went to the, he went to the Clippers. And then you found out how he managed to pull that deal off. It was him. He was the one. If I want to go to the Clippers, I don't want to play with the guys that are there now. I need some. Can I help. ask a dumb question? Yeah. Isn't that tampering? Because no. uh, he's on a contract. Um, he's not. No, Paul George. No, see, that's the thing is you call Paul George and you say, see if you can get your owner, your GM to trade you. And that's not tampering. No, no, it's not. Ta- no, it's a play. A player can't be charged with tampering with another player. No. Right? Like, well, he's a free agent. Okay. Like, what are they going to do? No, I'm asking. I'm ignorant. No, I'm uh, the tampering would come is if a team tried to, uh, you know, with a player like that was Masai under can't contact. Correct. Uh, okay. Correct. So. Can Drake? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, that wouldn't be tampering either, right? It's like, you know, right. the, the GM could say, Drake, I can't talk to the company. You go give him a phone call. But this is the way the NBA is. If you know anything about the NBA, you know that the superstars have more power than any other professional athletes in any other sport. It's not even close. A hockey player couldn't do this. Connor McDavid couldn't say, look, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mitch Martin, hey, Mitch, you know, see if you, you can get the Leafs to trade you to Edmonton and then stuff like it, it just wouldn't work that way. But... In the NBA, even though a player is signed to a contract, it matters little. Remember, Kawhi Leonard forced his way out of San Antonio with a year left on his deal. Anthony Davis forced his way out of New Orleans with a year and a half left on his deal. Paul George forced his way out of Indiana with a year left on his deal. Don't forget that. Forced his way out. Went to Oklahoma City. Jimmy Butler forced his way out of Minnesota with a year left on his deal. Kyrie Irving forced his way out of Cleveland with two years left on his deal. This happens all the time. Superstar player signs a deal, three years left, four years left, whatever it is. And then after a year or so, he gets the urge to go somewhere else because maybe his buddy is playing over there. And his buddy says, hey, see if you can get out of your contract. And they can because the superstars rule in the NBA. So here's what happened. Mm-hmm. Kawhi, first of all, he quietly approached Kevin Durant, who, who wasn't interested because Kevin was going to get together with Kyrie and they're in Brooklyn together. And then he approaches Paul George. Now, he knew him from high school together. They went to, I mean, they, they're both from the L.A. area. They both went to small schools. Um, Paul George went to San Jose State. And uh, Kawhi went to San Diego State. And they were, you know, uh, late first-round picks, stuff like that. So anyway, they kind of knew each other. They knew of each other. And they were reasonably friendly. Now, he calls Paul George. He's just become a free agent. He says, hey, Paul, if, if I sign... If you, if you can get your boss to trade you to the Clippers, I'll sign with the Clippers. So he's using this as maximum leverage. He's using leverage against the Lakers, who they think the Lakers think they're in this too. And he's using this leverage with Toronto. They think they're in it as well, but they don't know that Kawhi has gone behind their backs and called a couple of his friends to say, listen, if you, if you can get traded to that team, I'll sign with that team. And so in Paul George's case, he had just... Uh, signed a deal with Oklahoma City. He had two years left on his deal, so three years left on his deal. And Oklahoma City was very uh, excited, of course, for him to uh, sign a contract extension because he's a heck of a great player. And since OKC knew that landing Paul George was the key for the Clippers to land Leonard, they sought to extract maximum value from the Clippers. They knew. First of all, nobody wants to have a player playing for them that's unhappy. This happens more and more often. I don't care if it's a five, six, seven-year contract. You're unhappy after a year or two? I don't want to play. That's the way Kawhi was in San Antonio. He wasn't happy with the way they treated him. He wanted out. So this happens on a regular basis. So now Paul George goes to the guy at OKC, 
uh, whose name is Sam Presti. And he says, Sam, I want out. I want you to trade me to the Clippers. Oh, the Clippers, why is that? Well, if I get traded to the Clippers, Kawhi will sign with the Clippers and I can be part of the Clippers. Oh, really? Okay. Now that he knows this, he gets in touch with, uh, with the Clippers and it just so happens that the Clippers uh, GM, Michael Winger, uh, uh, was the, um, uh, the, I want to say, no, he was the, uh, the protege was Sam Presti. So they knew each other really well. So he contacts him. He says, hey, uh, Paul George wants to get traded to the Clippers. Uh, so you guys can sign Kawhi. So here's what we want. So he, he extracts maximum value out of the Clippers. The Clippers basically have to clean their cupboard, two draft picks, a bunch of other guys to go to OKC. Now, while all this is going on, Kawhi Leonard's camp is essentially trying to buy time. So they're asking the Lakers as late as 9 o'clock Pacific time, Friday night, to delay the consummation of the Anthony Davis trade till as late as possible, late Sunday, because they want to keep the Lakers in the mix thinking that they've got a chance, right? Meanwhile, he's doing this so that he's, he can, the time can be taken so that the Clippers and OKC can make their deal. Paul George goes to the Clippers, and then Kawhi announces he's going to the Clippers. But in the meantime, there's other shit going on. Mm-hmm. And Kawhi is really orchestrating this. He's like freaking Leonard Bernstein with the New York Philharmonic. I mean, he is just, he is in perfect, and you didn't expect this. No one said, geez, Kawhi, he, you know, he's an un, not underhanded isn't the right word, but he hell sneaky. You know, the, it's the quiet Do you ones. Think it's, it's the sneaky? quiet ones you got to watch for. Or is it just he's no. exploring his options, creating options? He's creating him. something you, you can but create. But this is smart. You could, you could do this in the NBA. You can create this. If you're a superstar, if you're LeBron James, you can right. say, I'm going to take my talents to South Beach and I'm going to get Chris Bosh and I'm going to get Dwayne Wade. Yeah, I mean, yeah, superstar yeah. teams. Uh, look what the Lakers did. They got Anthony Davis. They got Anthony Davis and LeBron James. LeBron James gives Anthony Davis his number. I mean, all this goes on all the time. So Kawhi did what was best for Kawhi. Sure. Right, He kept the Lakers in the mix. He kept Toronto in the mix. But all along, he wanted to go to the Clippers, and he didn't want to just go there by himself to carry the load. He needed another superstar player. He told the Clippers he would play there, but only if they acquired Paul George. So he needed the Lakers to hold off so he could keep them in play. Then he tried to get the Raptors to go after Paul George, but the price was too steep. Did you hear about this? Yeah, I, I caught wind of some okay, of this. Okay, so, so, so essentially it was like... Uh, like Listen, uh, Masai, I, you know, I really want to go home, but I would stay in Toronto if you can go and acquire Paul George. So now the discussion apparently goes on between, and not a long one, between Masai Ujiri and Sam Presti of OKC, and it kind of goes like this. Uh, OKC says, okay, tell you what, we'll give you Paul George. We'll also give you Russell Westbrook as well, but you got to give us Pascal Siakam, Freddie Van Vliet, and four unprotected first-round picks. Now, if you're Masai Ujiri, you're going, man, I'd love to have Kawhi back. And boy, getting Paul George and Russell Westbrook too, but man, I got to clean the cupboard out. Four unprotected picks plus Siakam, who's going to be a superstar player, and Van Vliet. So if you're Masai Ujiri, do you make that deal? It, if that's, va- if, if that's like, I'm trying to understand you whether make this the, was a real yeah. opportunity oh, no, no, or oh, we were just being it used was. as leverage. No, 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 but that's just it. That's just it. I think Masai went, wait a second. I could agree to the deal, and he could still end up taking the deal uh, with the Clippers, right? They could still, because okay, now it's up to OKC. Would you rather trade him to the Clippers for the package that they got, and it's just Paul George, or would you rather see if you can combine George and Russell Westbrook, who makes way too much money? Hmm. See if we take that contract, and we'll take Siakam, Van Vliet, and four unprotected picks. If you're Masai Ujiri, you're like, oh, man, we really want to have Kawhi, but holy cow, that's a lot. That's a lot. You know, do we have guarantees here? We don't. So he took a pass on that. Now, I thought about it and I said, you know, I don't know if I would take a pass. I think I might say, screw it. Let's go. 
If this is what's going to keep Kawhi here and we're going to get Paul George, I can deal with Russell Westbrook. Not a bad player at all. Pretty nope. damn good. It's a great player. Be fine. And I lose Siakam. Well, you know, some, some, it happens. Freddie Van Vliet, maybe he had a career year. Maybe he's not, uh, not going to be a 10-year veteran. Uh, four unprotected uh, draft picks. <sighs> That's tough, man. Your future is gone now. The present is now. That doesn't sound right, does it? The <laughs> but anyway, so um, this is what happened. He, he, uh, he orchestrated it. He got it done. He got uh, OKC to trade Paul George to the Clippers for a huge package. And now he's on a team. And think about this for rivalries. Lakers-Clippers. But what about the Warriors now, too? Warriors, Lakers, Clippers. Yeah, the big, big three. Big three. The big markets, the big stuff. So Kawhi's gone. Uh, should his number be retired? This was suggested. Twitter was beautiful for this. It was beautiful because everybody had a reaction, you know? And for the most part, it was this. Let's you know, look, anybody wants to go home. Thank you, Kawhi, for a great season. You know, we'd all want to go home. We don't begrudge him. We would never boo him ever. We should. And then someone's like, oh, let's retire jersey number two. Who, where did this come from? Like, is this just a fan or was this... Uh, well, the original one I saw was Chuck, Swir- Chuck Swirsky. Okay, well, Chuck Swirsky. No, I'm just saying, he says, you know, you should retire. But the idea is this. Do you, do you, does a guy, like, you show up for one year. So one and done, even though you win the championship. You're a, you're a mercenary, though. You were never. You were a Toronto Raptor for one year, but you were never a real long-term Raptor. You didn't wear the Raptor logo, you know, tattoo on your sleeve. You know what I mean? You weren't. You know, someone looks and says Kawhi Leonard. What do you think of Kawhi Leonard? No one's twenty years from now. No one's going to go. Oh, he was a Raptor. They're not in this country, though. Yeah, that moment. So my idea was, you know, retired jersey number two. No, you got to have some longevity. One year is not going to be enough. However, if you're going to put a statue up. And you got a statue of, um, oh, I don't know, Joe Carter's home run. Iconic moment, right? Right. You've got to have a statue of Kawhi letting fly that that jump shot with Joel Embiid in his face that bounces four times. But That's there, is an no, iconic there is no moment. Joe Carter statue, right? That's They're just right. the Ed Rogers. That's right. And <laughs> see, so here's the thing. This is the way I look at it. Paul Henderson's goal in 1972. Yeah. Joe Carter's home run in 1993. Kawhi Leonard's four bouncer that goes in in 2019 there's your three iconic sports moments in canada no offense to the montreal canadians winning all those stanley cups great cups stuff like that we're talking about national national moments henderson that was canada joe carter canada's only baseball oh no actually the expos did have a team then but that was that was like a pretty canadian moment too we can't in toronto we can't just say it was for us all canadians enjoyed that and of course Kawhi, same thing so would you say those are the three iconic sports moments in I, this country's history? Okay, well, if you, Toronto, two of those moments are definitely the Toronto moments, like without a doubt. So I don't know what the rest of Canada thinks about uh, Joe Carter and Kawhi Leonard being two of the three iconic Canadian moments. I don't know. I think the golden goal, goal by Crosby might uh, eke out two of those. But I got to say, just to bring it back a bit, yeah. the vast majority of Raptor fans were braced for this potential Inevit- this potential happening, I think. Right. So the vast majority of us, yeah, we're kind of bummed out, I'd say. Like, yeah, but little- we'll get over it. But I got over it really quick. My wife woke me up at like 6.30 in the morning to say, Kawhi's gone. And then I think it took about two minutes before I'm like, well, we won the championship. Right. He wants to go home, just like Tavares wanted to go home. Right. That's his right. You know, that's fine. That's, you know, whatever. We, we want it all, whatever. We'll move on. Like, I was over it in two minutes, right. I think, but the vast majority of fans. But the idea, that the, the idea that Kawhi had hatched this plan well before 
Like maybe he had, maybe back in February, he was like, you know, no matter what happens this season in Toronto, I'm not going to be here next year. But what I'd like to is to go home and play on a team that's got another superstar player. So he's maybe he's hatched this idea. And the idea was that he hatched it in a high school gym with Paul George. You know, maybe one day we'll play together. You know, your kids, right? You go, maybe one day we'll be playing together, Paul. Yeah, that'd be great, Kawhi. All right, see ya. Right. And then eight years later or whatever, 10 years later, it's like, hey, we got a chance. We have a chance to play together because for the first time in his career, Kawhi Leonard can decide where he wants to play. Right. He was drafted by San Antonio. He had to go to San Antonio. He played his years there. He didn't want to play the last year. He, he, he got traded to Toronto. He could have been traded somewhere else. He didn't want to go to Toronto, but he accepted the trade knowing that he'd be there for one year and then he could make his own decision. Right. And we have to go back to that. Mm-hmm. You know, we could, we rolled out the red carpet. Hey, you can only, you Tell you what, Kawhi, 60 games. Now, let me ask you a question, folks. Years from now, if someone says, what's the greatest value that a team ever got from one player? The Toronto Raptors in 2018, 2019, Kawhi Leonard played 60 games. He missed 22 games. The Raptors went 17-5 and five in the games that he missed. They were a good team without him. Mm-hmm. They were a great team with him. So, I mean, this is no... I, I didn't read one person say, I'm shocked that Kawhi's gone. Not one person was shocked. No. There was never an indication that even with the planes and Jalen Rose, 99% I'm hearing, <laughs> you know, and uh, I mean, all that stuff was just nonsense. The best, the, to me, the best uh, comments of all were from Sportsnet's Michael Grange, who whenever he was asked, what do you think Kawhi will do? He said, I don't know. Because he didn't. He didn't know. So why bother speculating on what you think is going well, through Well, he speculated to me like he thought he'd stay. He was hoping he'd stay. And then, he you said, know, I it, think he'll stay because we can offer more money, more term. He yeah. told me that. So, he, yeah. But he definitely did not know. But Hebsey, we had a deal, right? The deal was yeah. that for one season, Kawhi Leonard had to do his best for the Toronto Raptors to deliver a championship to the city of Toronto. And he withheld his end, end of the bargain. Absolutely. When he, play, when he comes here at the Clippers, we should... You know, give them the standing ovation. Oh, we will. Uh, the fans the absolutely here. will. Absolutely. I, someone else asked me a question. Can can the Raptors continue to sell Kawhi Leonard's number two jersey? Like legally? Yeah. Of course. So, yeah. like, what I'm thinking is, is that, you know, they're, they're going to make tons of dough just by continuing to sell this jersey that, you know, he doesn't play for us anymore. Now, had he retired from basketball, that's different, you know. It's like having a throwback jersey, right? Like a, whatever, a Bill Russell jersey, a John Havlicek jersey, a, uh, you know, a Dan Marino jersey, it's funny. right? I in, yeah. But I mean, I'm <laughs> just, you know, it's like, you know, more people are going to wear, be wearing, there are going to be more Kawhi Leonard Raptors jerseys in the world than there will be Kawhi Leonard Clippers jerseys. Trust me on that. <laughs> Everybody in Canada has got like a Kawhi Leonard And maybe Raptors it'll be, I, I was just in that store, that real sports store, and, yeah. the, and they have the Patrick Marlowe jerseys are on sale now. Like they're discounted to buy a Marlowe Leaf jersey. How much, yeah. is it, how much does it cost for a Marlowe Leaf jersey? I didn't look at the number. I just saw they a had buck, the big, whatever, 20% off or whatever. 20%, I know, I know, 20% I know. off? But, I mean, if they're still selling Marlowe jerseys, I mean, of course, of course, they're going to be selling Leonard yeah. jerseys. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I just thought that kind of... But anyway, look, no one was shocked. And if you were shocked, then you weren't, you're not of this world. Uh, and the idea, the chance, like I had said before, to go home uh, and dictate your own terms is pretty good. I mean, any one of us would have done the same thing. I'm happy. If any one of, Mike, if they came to me right now and said, we want to sign you to a big deal, big internet show, podcast, whatever it is, I'd say, well, I want to have help. I want to have Toronto Mike with me. <laughs> right? Good man. And they're going to go, well, Hebsey, we don't do that. I said, listen, I mean, <laughs> I'll go to LA. I'll go to this place. I'll go to that place. Uh, but I got to have him. 
You got to find a way to acquire them. Those people would have to come to you and say, look, we really want you. And you'd say, well, I got my Toronto Mike digital services and I got this. I live here. I got my family, my kids here and all that. And then they'd, they'd make a deal. And I orchestrated the whole thing because I want to have superstars with me. So uh, if it could happen to you in business, you would do the same. Anyone would do the same thing. You've got an opportunity to go where you want to go. And you've got an opportunity to bring like people that you want with you. You can manipulate. Yeah. Okay, great. And he had done it all here. He won yeah. it here. He won and done. One for one. Well, but on a bas- from a basketball perspective, how fun would it be to have a Western Conference final, Lakers versus Clippers? Wow. Like, can you imagine that? Like, or even they, Warriors versus Clippers. That with the Lakers. But even more, I think it'd be more exciting. Well, of course, in LA. You know? oh, yeah, and I'm look, tired of the Warriors. Well, also, too, in LA, too. I mean, think about this. They, for they years. play in the same place. Yeah. yeah. Remember this? Remember when you'd see shots of Billy Crystal sitting in the, <laughs> se- in the seats that Jack Nicholson sat in for the Lakers games? It's the same, same arena. <laughs> it's just Jack Nicholson sits there for the Lakers and Billy Crystal sits there for the Clippers. And all these Clippers fans who either couldn't get Lakers tickets or and that probably is what it was it's like Mets fans Mets fans were no I was told LA's the Lakers it's Lakers town I know there are Clippers fans of course it is vast majority are Lakers of course it is absolutely and they hate each other it's not like the Lakers fans could ever oh no they do they hate each other as much as White Sox fans hate Cubs fans right and there was a good brawl at the White Sox Cubs games on the weekend with women. Oh. See these women? No, I missed pounding them. each other, hammering each other. Some of them wearing Cubs jerseys, some of them wearing White Sox jerseys. It was nuts. Wow. So um, now let's look at the Raptors for next year. Now I know the season doesn't start for a while. We can cool out, but still, without Kawhi and without Danny Green, who followed by going to the Lakers, which should make it interesting. I like see Kawhi and Danny Green one on one. Good pickup for the Lakers. Very was, good. Yeah. Two, two years, uh, thirty million for two years. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. And he was in Vancouver at the time, right? Signing autographs at the drugstore or something like that right so now that those guys are gone what are the raptors going to look like next year you got kyle lowry who became the soul of the team he's in the final year of his contract with incentives could pay him 35 million you got marcus all for one more year player option he uh, uh he took 26 million serge Ibaka, a 23 million dollar a year expiring deal is also available that's a lot of dough do you do you just rip the team up do you, do you take these three guys or two of these three guys and say, let's go, let's see what we can get for them. And then you, uh, and then you build your team around Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, Norm Powell, Stanley Johnson, who they acquired, who, who's a pretty good player, played for the Pelicans and Pistons. He was a first-round pick in 2015. He was the eighth overall pick. And this guy, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, who, and again, not a lot of people know, but he played for Brooklyn the last couple of years and is a good player. Uh, averages about, uh, he averaged nine points and 5.3 rebounds last year. He was a 13-point-a-game player the year before that, a swing man. They're both about six foot seven. Uh, you know, you add these guys to the youngsters that you've got, you got... OG is still, yeah, of Yeah, course, you've yeah. got the makings, and you're going to have draft picks. Uh, and if you, again, if you make deals with Lowry or Gasol or Ibaka, uh, you know, maybe mid-season or maybe even before that, you might be able to develop yourself a team. Do you, do you, do you have to tear this team yes. apart? Yep. You do. In Masai, in Masai, I trust. Is there no, is there no, and there's way. no other sport you could rebuild as quickly. But is there no know. way? Like uh, they went 17 and five without Kawhi last year. Is there no way that this Raptor team, the way it is now is a competitive team in the East? Well, I mean, not a one or two You lost two starters, Not a right? one or two Including seed. Including your top guy. Sure. I feel like. Not uh, a one or, wait a second. Not a one or two seed. Not a one or two seed. Maybe mm-hmm. they're a six seed in the East. I could see them being a six seed in the East, yeah. Oh. But I, do they get by Milwaukee and Philadelphia? No. 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 So, no, I mean... I don't think so. But, but again, I don't know. And it's pretty long in the tooth, really, th- that core. You just, I mean, excluding 
Siakam there. Like those guys are. Yeah. Yeah. I think you got to blow it up and build around Siakam and the, and the, the kids. Okay. Okay. And there's more players to come because there are, the other thing is there are plenty, even though tons of free agents signed, there are lots of deals that could be had. What kind of team are you going to have? You're going to have a run and gun team. You're going to build the team around Siakam, Van Vliet. You know, I don't know. It's hard to say. But uh, Masai has an opportunity now to reinvent himself in the team. And the fans will understand because he already delivered the championship. So to me, Masai Ujiri's got three years of carte blanche. Whatever happens to this team for the next three years, just look back at the year that they won the championship. He did that for him. He pulled the trigger. Does anybody want DeMar DeRozan back now without the championship from last year? Anybody want to not make that trade? No. Of course not. You got your championship. <laughs> that's what you wanted. You rolled the dice. And now, now you rebuild. So I think he got a nice, he got a pass for the next three years. That's the way I look at I it. I agree. All right. Anything else with basketball? Go Raps. And retire the number two jersey? No. Not a chance. <laughs> not a chance. Sorry, Chuck Swirsky and anyone else who's, oh, they've got to retire his jersey. Forget it, man. But I doubt anybody will choose number two for uh, quite a while. That's different. That's very different. That's yeah. different. Okay. But That's like the number 17 on the Leafs, right? Like uh, before yeah. 17 was retired. Yeah. Who was going to pick 17 on the Leafs? Yeah. No, you're right about that. I, I don't disagree with that. So, yeah. Number, so don't want to wear number two for a while. But to retire it, to make a retirement thing, is, I, think, I, he, I think he might be even embarrassed by that. I was here for one year. I played 60 games. That's it. Okay, done with basketball? Yeah. How about the other winter sport? Hockey. Time now for Hockey Confidential, brought to you by Titan Blades. All the top pros skate on Titan Blades. Why aren't you skating on Titan Blades? If you want to skate faster and be better than your competition, you need to have Titan Blades in your skates. They bring the pro shop to you. Go to TitanBlades.com. Check them out. Don Cherry, 85 years old. And I would say the most polarizing figure in all of hockey. Number one, people are saying, why isn't he... How come he hasn't been named to the Order of Canada? Right. And I agree. I mean, and nothing against anyone that's already been named to the Order of Canada, but Don Cherry not being there is really a travesty. I mean, he did a lot. Controversial, polarizing figure, but, but what did he do for the sport of hockey in this country? And what did he do for Saturday night viewing numbers? He did pretty well. I think he deserves it. But I don't know. I don't know if he's been a go-to guy on Coach's Corner the last couple of years. He's 85. Look, my dad's 87, and he's still pretty sharp, but he's nowhere near as sharp as he was. He forgets sometimes. It happens when you get to be that age, and that's okay. But if you're on national television and you're trying to make a point and you're trying to uh, you know, uh, make an observation and, and you're having trouble articulating that to your viewing audience, may, maybe it's time to look uh, at uh, retirement. See, Although I don't he doesn't think... want to retire. No, but neither did Bob Cole. No one does. Did Gord Martineau want to retire? I don't think so. Kevin you know Frank want to tomorrow? retire? Yeah. <laughs> did, well, you tell me, Mike. You, you're yeah. aware of this. You know what's going on at Rogers. Why don't you explain uh, sort of the, uh, the, a little play-by-play of what's happened recently with the, the, the older citizens that okay. have been on yeah, Rogers so Media. The, the, big, the big ones, I'd say, are, of course, Gord Martineau. Yep. Big, probably... Rogers' biggest news guy. Everybody knows who Gordon Martineau is, right? right. Gordon Martineau, the anchor well, on Toronto TV based, for years and years and years. Yeah. Solid. He didn't want to leave. Nope. You know, Rogers said goodbye. Uh, Kevin Frankish was the, the guy at he helped build Breakfast Television. Yep. And same thing. They said, your time is done. Goodbye. Yep. Uh, Bob McCowan. Bob McCowan. 
just he didn't want to go. They said, okay, we're, we're turning out, off your mic. We're buying out, buying out your contract, right? right. And although it's still, uh, it's inconclusive. We don't know Doug, if Don Doug Cherry, McLean, Doug McLean on, but uh, yeah, but he okay. No, but I mean, he was on for many years on the on the sports net. A couple of years before that, George Strombolopoulos. You got a couple of other analysts and uh, Roskowski, Paul Romanuk. I mean, you got Rogers has dumped Elliot Price. Rogers has dumped a lot of people. It's all, they're in cost-cutting mode, maybe due to that massive NHL deal, probably yeah. related to that. But Hey, have any women been dumped by Rogers? Well, not in a while, because Ann Roskowski was, was before Gord, uh, but she was dumped by Rogers. Well, she was dumped by Rogers or dumped by Global? Well, she was dumped by Rogers and then Went later Global, dumped right. by Global. Yeah. yeah, maybe dumped isn't the right word. But yeah, I, uh, 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 so is there a pattern here? Uh, a, a man reaches a certain age mm -hmm. uh, and it's time to go. You probably, it's tied more to the, the fact that men of a certain age make a lot of money. Like, white, I, I feel it's a cost-cutting thing. White white men? Well, historically... I mean, is this, an, is this ageism? Is this racism? Is this a, com I mean, you know, is it a combination of both? Uh, no, it's, it's pretty much ageism white ageism in that it's the older yeah. people ask, who demand a command a big salary. Yes, that's right. So it comes down to money, and it's the old white guys that are making the most money because they've been in the business for a long, long time. That's a fair statement. Established yeah. themselves and are likely the highest paid people. I think if you combine the salaries of Don Cherry, Bob McCowan, Gord Martineau, uh, Kevin Frankish, all these people, they all make well, well into six figures and, and maybe seven figures. You're well into seven figures of, if you add up all their salaries. Oh, into, oh, if you add up all their salaries, <laughs> yeah. well into seven figures. Right. And uh, that's a lot of scratch for a company that paid $5.2 billion for hockey and isn't getting the, you know, the, 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 um, the advertising, or the, you know, the, the money out of it. We don't know mm. conclusively if Don Cherry is done. Now, how did, we find, how did we find out that Don Cherry was done? I read about it. Steve Simmons, uh, Steve Simmons wrote his Sunday Notes column. Mm. And in that Sunday Notes column... He suggested that they hadn't picked him up yet for next year and that they were in cost-cutting mode right. and that Don Cherry commanded a big salary. So he put and two and two together and figured if they haven't announced by now that Don Cherry will return for next year on Hockey Night in Canada, it's safe to assume that he won't be back. He said they, he might not be back. He might not he be back. He wasn't conclusive either. But Don but Cherry, though, when he read that, came out with a tweet of his own. Right. Which basically said, I was told by the new, the guy who took over for Scott Moore, and I can't think of his name, the head of Sportsnet, told me that I would be back. Right. Exactly. And he he actually went to say that he wishes his friend Steve Simmons had given him a phone call before he to wrote find that, out. Uh, right, to find like out. to ask him. To ask him if it's true. Right. Which that, by the way, he should have done, by the way. If you can phone a guy you're writing about, you should you should call him and ask him. And they're him. friends too. Right. I mean, according to Don, they're friends. Right. You know, I mean which which to me is interesting. So I mean, Stevie should have called no, Donnie. If it's a friend, then you would phone up and say, look, I'm, uh, you know, I haven't heard uh, whether you're back or not next year. I wanted to write something. Right. Can you confirm or deny that you will be returning to Hockey Night in Canada? I do this all the time. Wow. If, I, if there's speculation about somebody I'm friendly with, I right. phone them up. And even if you're not friendly with them, you'll call someone who might know them. Say, look, can you can you ask them? Can you sure, get I'll in touch Hebsey. and find out? <laughs> oh, you know what I mean. You call if yeah. you could if you couldn't get in touch with Don, you would find a way to get in touch with uh, Kathy Broderick, his assistant on Hockey Night in Canada, or his son Tim Cherry, or right. maybe someone from Rogers or Ron. Can I or Ron? Can I get a confirmation or a denial? Right, right, right. And if you get a well, we can't comment on that. Then you can do the speculation. Then okay, they wouldn't comment, which means he's not not necessarily coming back. Or we're still in negotiations or something like that. 
Just one thing you said about Don, which is that he's slipping. I actually, because I still watch Coach's Corner. Oh, I, I do think, too. I don't think he's slipping. I think the world around him has changed That's and he has re- re- remained constant. And I think a lot of the blowback for Don Cherry is simply that, you know, for example, insults we'd, we'd hurl in the schoolyard 20 years ago, right. we would never accept from a child today. So I think that essentially this world has changed and Don has not. And that's so good. now that's good. That's that Don bad. Cherry that we might have loved in 1985 seems uh, a little Archie Bunker esque. Yes, in this politically correct world, but does in he, this more sensitive, but, uh, aware. But universe. does he still? But does he still make cogent observations on the sport of hockey? He's consistent. I'd say. I, I don't I think agree. he slipped. I agree with you. He's sharp. And, and the other thing is, I mean, he is a proud Canadian. And, you know, when Don Cherry starts talking about our armed forces and, uh, you know, the men and women that represent this country in the military and special stories about, you know, kids that are disabled, for example, that got a chance to meet their hero. I mean, I like those kind of stories. And, and it doesn't have to be, you know, expert analysis of a play like it used to be with Howie Meeker. Now watch it. Watch it right there. You see he goes over the blue line. Don doesn't do stuff like that. But 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 th- these names we've mentioned, the Gord Martinos and the Kevin Frankishes and the Bob McCowans, uh, none of them slipped. None of them had uh, really seen a, a bad, like had bad ratings or were suddenly bad at their job. No, they, were they all too made much too much money. Right. And Don all- Cherry, for Rogers in 2019, you could argue is making too much money. So what if Rogers said, "Look, Don, we're going to cut your salary in half," right? I don't know. They didn't. Like, okay, we'll bring you back, but we we can't pay the whatever million dollars a year. For some reason, I my understanding is that they don't ever they don't make that move. <laughs> they didn't <laughs> like they didn't go to Kevin Frankish and say, "Hey, can we pay you you know sixty percent going forward instead of the hundred percent?" Like yeah, they that don't. Would be, that would be tough to do. That's a real blow to the ego as well. And it's not. You're right. It's not something. Listen, you know, if you it's not like we don't think you're worth this much anymore. We think you're worth about half of that. You know, and then the following year we think you're going to cut that in half, and then eventually you're making eight cents. <laughs> Anyone with any kind of uh, pride or ego is going to say, "No, I'm I I I earned this much money. I I've I earned the right to m- make this much money. You can't take that away from me." So I'm wondering though if there's a listen. It costs us all this money. Uh, we're losing. We're bleeding dollars. We need your help. We need you to take a hometown discount. Don't they do that in sports? Take a hometown discount. You're from here. Mitch Marner, a little hometown discount. You wanted to play for the Leafs your whole life? You want to do this your whole life? Take $10.5 million a year. But when you're dealing with an 85-year-old, you might right. want to look beyond anyways. Right. Like right. with Bob be- Cole. Because what's the, what would the exit plan be with Don Cherry? Would the exit plan be, we're going to wait for him to say, I'm retired? In other words, the day that I can't get up out of bed, put my suit on, and get down to the, you know, Scotiabank Arena to do between periods. That day's not going to come. He's not going to ever, he's, no one would in that position or any position if they loved what they did. They're not going to say, ah, that's it for me. I'm going to Florida to play golf every day. No, you want to work, work. You've been working your whole life every Saturday night for the last however many years. Bob Cole was the same way. I'm sure Gordon Martin was the same way. I'm sure Bob McCown was the same way. Kevin Frank was the same way. I was the same way. You want to leave on your own terms. But what if you never want to leave? Right. Okay. Well, we settled that. Hockey Confidential <laughs> brought to you by Titan Blades. They bring the pro shop to you. Skate faster, be better. Titanblades.com. T-Y-D-A-N blades.com. And I guess we're going to be hearing, because the summer is supposed to be the quiet time in sports, but it just gets so busy with contract negotiations. What's going what's to happen next year? Who's going to be on the broadcast next year? Who's going to be on the Sportsnet 
telecast for hockey next year. I mean, they still have that package for another, I don't know what that is, seven, eight, nine years left. I don't know. I don't know. I've lost track, but it was a 12 year deal. So yeah, I mean, they still have Friedman and they still have, you know, they still have these bodies, Ron McLean. Right. As far as, I mean, as far as I know, they're all Nick Kiprios. Nick Kiprios is still there. Yeah. Who, yeah. And now Rudy's if they, still there. if they were to replace Don Cherry, if they were to come up with a, 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 a program whereby they wanted someone, I don't want to say as controversial. But they, let's it'll just be say Brian Burke. Con- you think so? That's my guess. Yeah, I don't. I'm Purely not, my guess. Doesn't do it for me, Brian Burke. I, I know he's not a warm and fuzzy. Don Cherry can be not warm and fuzzy, but there's a an element to Don that's he's know. more likable. On yeah, some level. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Brian Burke just seems like a real hard ass. Like that, every decision and everything. Well, he they, they got to wait for PK Subban to retire first because yeah. yeah. he would be amazing. I think there's a lot of guys out there. I think I think they really have to go out and audition. And listen, this is nothing against young guys like Sean McKenzie or Kyle uh, Bukakis. Uh, they're not analysts. They're not former players who can really go out and make uh, these in-depth um, um, comments about the game the same way. They're more... Um, they need more, to be more colorful. They're more like, like, host, more uh, like hosts, like asking the right questions, right. moving the program along. What about going to TSN and getting that O-dog out of there? And I, don't, I don't think they could do that. I think TSN has got a, a spell over all of its... Um, I'm serious. Yeah, because James Duthie couldn't... Everyone who works at TSN has pretty much been assured, look, you're not... We are going to make sure that you don't go... You're, we're going to make sure that you're happy enough here that you will never go to Sportsnet. You will never go to Sportsnet. Bob McKenzie didn't go to Sportsnet. Yeah, but he was never invited to Sportsnet. James only Duffy, James Duffy James, was the only that one you invited. Know, that you know of. But, that but, there, must have been, know, but yeah. there must have been overtures at some point. Someone must have gone to somebody besides Dave Randorf at TSN to say, come on over, come on over. Right? Whether there were preliminary discussions or not. Because that, you're, if you want to get better, you go after your competition. If you want to take over from TSN, you've got to go after the TSN people, I would think. I could be wrong. Well, Duffy's a great example. When they when they wanted when they put in Strombo instead of Ron McLean, yeah. the plan was to get James Duffy to go into the McLean seat. That was right. the plan. And James Duffy said no. Smart move by James. Smart yeah. move by James. Because, He's happy. Because the folks at TSN said, look, you've been here for years. We love you. You know, tell us what you want. We'll look after it. Even though we lost the rights, we still have lots of hockey. And this is where people come for their hockey information. Because you, you have to admit, TSN's panel has been solid over the years. Not a lot of changes. There was no Strombolopolis going in there. Uh, they didn't fire Craig Button like they did uh, Doug McLean. A fire is probably the wrong word. Didn't renew his contract. It's been the same people. You know what you're getting on TSN when it comes to hockey analysts, the panel, and all that stuff, right? Baseball now. The other day, uh, Mike wondered aloud how Vladdy Guerrero Jr., with eight lifetime home runs, managed to get into the home run derby, uh, which is tonight in Cleveland. Had any player with fewer home runs ever performed in the home run derby? Well, the answer is no, Mike. Uh, according to Scott Carson, the legendary statsman on Blue Jays telecasts, Chris Bryant of the Chicago Cubs in 2015 had only 12 career home runs prior to the home run derby. So Vladdy, with eight career home runs, is the youngest and the uh, least productive home run hitter of all uh, time in the um, home run derby. He was, supp- he was the number eight seed in the first round. He was supposed to take on Major League home run leader Christian Yelich of the Brewers in the first round, but... Yelich bowed out with a bad back, a back injury. He needs to rest it during the All-Star break, which is now a four-day break. All-Star break is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and everybody gets back to play Friday. It used to be a three-day break. Right. People complained about it. So it's the whole, pretty much the whole week. Uh, so Vladdy's going to be in the first round. I'm worried, Mike. Mm-hmm. Are you worried that Vladdy trying to hit home runs in the home run derby is going to screw up his swing? He, he, I mean, he's having trouble just hitting the ball hard. 
I saw him live for the very first time on Friday. Oh, you did? That's the first time I've seen How Vladdy was that, by the way? Those are the tickets that Jerry Howard got you? The Jerry Howard uh, Were they good Speaking seats? Speaking of Rogers, Were they good guys. seats? <laughs> good seats? Two, yeah. 200 level? 200 level. Yeah. Great seats. Yeah. Uh, first baseline. Yeah, really good seats. Yeah. You're great all... seats. And, uh, you know, we, we lost four to one. To uh, Baltimore. Baltimore. <laughs> I saw Drury went deep. He gave, gave us a moment. Right. Uh, Vladdy had a walk and three weak ground balls, I'd call yes. them. What uh, was the exit velocity on that? <laughs> I think mine was better. So, I mean, eight home runs. I mean, you know, we said, hey, if he hits 20 home runs and hits 250 as a rookie, we'll be happy. But the idea that he's going into the home run derby and he's got to alter his swing. Because he's going to swing, I'm going to, 100 times with his uppercut swing. And I said before, he's more of a line drive hitter. The well, way he attacks yeah. that ball, he just, it screams out of there. And the guys that hit those high, arching, launching shots, it's not the same. So I'm worried that they're going to screw up his swing. But the other side is maybe, just maybe, he gets into a groove and starts hitting home runs. Right. Right? I think he'll in, be like, okay. Like Lourdes Gurriel. <laughs> like in bunches. Right. In bunches. By the way, Guriel had another home run yesterday. His uh, team-leading 16th homer is the Jays beat Baltimore 6-1. Trent Thornton pitched beautifully, shutting out the O's over six innings of work. Uh, do you know that, like, every day since June the 23rd, almost every day, a Guriel has hit a home run in the major leagues? His brother hit a grand slam yesterday. Right. At two the day before. Like, say like every single day. Which right. Guriel? And I think three or four days out of the last 10 or 15, they've both hit home runs on the same day. It's fun to watch. I can just sort of see the two of them texting back and forth. <laughs> oh, you hit another one, did you? I mean, it looks like I'm going to have to hit one. You know, and yesterday I think uh, uh, Lourdes hit his uh, in the first inning, right? Hit a home run in the first inning. And then, uh, and then Yuri must have, someone must have said, hey, your brother just hit a home run in Toronto. And then he knocked in a, he hit a grand <laughs> slam. In that game, in that Houston game where they played um, the Angels, there was a really terrible uh, um, uh, uh, situation where, um, Jake Marisnik, former Blue Jay, as a matter of fact, uh, was uh, for Houston, is on third base, sacrifice fly by the Angels. Here's the play at the plate. And man, Jake Marisnik threw a forearm shiver and knocked catcher Jonathan Lucroy out. Lucroy has gone to the hospital uh, for a CT scan for a possible concussion, a broken nose. I looked at this play and I said, this guy, Marisnik's got to be suspended for this. This is the Buster Posey rule where a catcher is uh, completely vulnerable, you know? He, he can't block the plate, which Lucroy wasn't doing. He had kind of sort of come up the third baseline a little bit to the inside of the plate to make the play. And Marisnik didn't even try for the plate. He right. just hammered him, right. knocked him cold. It was really vicious. And I think he should be suspended, and I'm not the only one. I mean, that's a suspension. I you, agree. You weren't trying to slide around him to score. You went right into him. You barreled into You're him. You're trying like to a, blow him up. You were Pete Rose in that 70 All-Star game. Right. That was exactly what he did. He bowled him over, man. That was bad. I didn't like that at all. Didn't like that at all. Not the least bit. Me neither, bud. Um, all right. So, hey, listen. So, yesterday, Dan Shulman, who I follow on Twitter, uh, sort of asked for a, hey, what do you think the Jays will look like next year at this time? What's the team going to look like? Bo Bichette's hitting the ball off, the cover off the ball in Buffalo. We got all these young guys. What are they going to look like? So, I, I I tweeted in, and I said, here's, here's, here's what I think. And I don't, you know, forget the batting order, but here's who's going to be your nine hitters. Bo Bichette, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Biggio, Teoscar, Vladdy. Rowdy Telez, Randy Grichuk, uh, Danny Jansen, and Anthony Alford, who is uh, currently injured, I believe, and he's in Syracuse, not Syracuse, Buffalo. Mm, right. But he's supposed to be the, the outfielder of the future. Needs a little bit more work. And most people agreed. I mean, there were a few that said they don't think Telez is going to be a, in the future. And someone else said, yeah, maybe they'll pick up a, you know, another player uh, via free agency or a trade or whatever. But essentially, it's we don't think Freddie Galvis will be there. 
next year. We don't think Justin Smoke's going to be there next year. We don't think Eric Sogard's going to be there next year. We probably don't think Marcus Stroman's going to be there next year. Maybe not Ken Giles. Right. If someone can take Aaron Sanchez off our hands, that <laughs> too. So you're talking about, similar to the Raptors, a big, big turnover in key players. The difference is, is that the Jays are not coming off a world championship. They're coming off a crummy year, and this year is going to be an even worse year. So you start the rebuild. You're starting the rebuild. Bo Bichette's going to be up very soon. He's hitting the cover off the ball. Is there a longer rebuild than the baseball rebuild? Like, I mean, the, no. the basketball's the well, shortest. No, there isn't. Look at Houston. Baseball's the longest. Look at Houston. They were horrible. They Three years, they were brutal. I think they lost 100 games three years in a row. Right. And now they're a great team. Look at that team. George Springer and uh, Alex okay, Bregman. Okay, if you're excluding that Carlos team. Carlos Correa and uh, uh, what's his name, the shortstop? Uh, Carlos Correa. Can you think of another example of a team that kind of had totally had to burn it down and then rebuild into a championship team? Like that Houston team is the example, but can you think of a second one? Uh, yeah, the Florida Marlins won a World Series, uh, broke it all down, and then won another World Series. Okay, yeah. Uh, they did as well. It's happened, but it takes a tremendous amount of patience. The Detroit Tigers actually had a pretty bad team for a while, and then they came back, and there's a few uh, occasions of it. But yeah, I mean, if you've got to be committed to the uh, complete breakup, go ahead. You went and got Freddie Galvis. That's great. He's a great, he's a great little player. But he's going to help somebody this year. Someone's going to need a Freddie Galvis. Someone's going to need an Eric Sogard, who, by the way, played flawless right field. The guy can play all over the, the field. Someone's going to need, I think, a Justin Smoke, a left-handed power hitter. Yeah. So break him up. That's what I say. And by the way, as far as the kids, and I just mentioned some of them, there are many more, including this kid, uh, Nate Pearson, 22 years of age. Broke his arm last year, and uh, really, uh, it really retarded his progress. But, man, he is firing the ball. He uh, touched 102 miles an hour with his fastball last night and 89 miles an hour with a wicked slider in his one inning of work at the, um, the Futures, the MLB Futures game last night. Two strikeouts and a ground out in his uh, inning of work. He has electric stuff. He has 67 strikeouts and just eight walks in 49 innings this year in single-A Dunedin and now double-A New Hampshire. Missed all of last season with a broken arm. He's going to be in the rotation soon. Uh, Sean Reed Foley, not so sure about it. You know, you're, you're looking at some of these young guys that they were touting, and maybe not as great. I mean, I think the Sean Reed Foley thing is they've come to the realization that he's not the prospect that maybe they thought, and he needs to work on a few things. And this is where, with pitchers especially, you got to take more time. First, they've got to have command of the strike zone. You're not going you're to be useless. I don't care if you throw 140 miles an hour. If you can't command the strike zone, you've got problems. And this Nate Pearson, even though it's in double-A and single-A, eight walks and 67 strikeouts in 49 innings, that's pretty good control. So looking forward to that. Um, and I mentioned the... Um, the uh, Jonathan Lucroy thing, uh, I'm hoping that he can return. Uh, but I, I tell you, when I saw that play, I thought, boy, baseball just cannot afford to let that happen to their game. Attendance is slipping in a lot of places, and, and something like that is just not part of today's game. You can't slide to break up a double play the way you could before, and you certainly can't bowl a catcher over to try to knock the ball out of his mitt. On that note, they did not announce the attendance on Friday because it was very sparse well, The Friday. Jays game? Yeah, they didn't announce it? <laughs> right. So it's nowhere? You can't find it anywhere? I mean, I have to go see if there's an official box. Oh, there is. Of course. There, yeah, of yeah. Course so I have to go to ML. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just sure I'll find it somewhere. But I will say for a Friday night in July, it was it, on the dome was closed, which is unfortunate, but it was very sparsely attended. Let's put it that way. Do you want to find out what the attendance <laughs> All right. Was? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Let's find out. Listen, we're All live. Right. And then, because then I want to hear uh, your thoughts on this uh, World Cup of Soccer final, which I'm excited to hear your viewpoints on. Okay. MLB.com. Hang on a sec. Let's find out. MLB.com. Because we can do this. Because we can do this. 
Hebsey's uh, on his tablet. Yeah, yeah. Scores. I'll okay. describe the do play-by-play for the podcast. And what day was it, Mike? Sixth Friday, which was the sixth or the fifth? Fifth, correct? Yes. Okay, let's find out. This is oh Orioles Blue Jays. Yeah, Here fifth. we go. Here yeah. we go. Yeah. Here we go. What uh, was the number? Oh no! Come on, that's. Oh, I don't want Dylan Bundy. Dylan oh, Bundy? by the way, Dylan Bundy, who has a terrible line this season, had a great game. He did, but Sanchez wasn't bad either, considering his season. There were two, two pitchers with terrible, uh, terrible, terrible, lines. terrible. terrible. Um, MLB scoreboard. Oh my god, this is terrible. Hempsey, I don't know. I'm not editing this. So uh, the fifth. Uh, <laughs> Casey Royals Nationals. Okay, Orioles Blue Jays. Okay, here we go. Box score. Okay. What do you think the attendance was? I'm going to say it was... The announced uh, attendance. Remember, the announced attendance yeah. is very different. They're going to announce it at 17,000. Oh, my God. Why wouldn't... Come on. <laughs> what kind of box score is this? They don't have an attendance. <laughs> right. So That's crazy. They've buried this. Uh, they've buried the attendance? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, late, offline that? later, I'll do some more digging. But how could but... they do that? <laughs> yeah, it used to always be in the bottom of the box score. It should be right in the box score here. Right. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I know. Oh, they did this on purpose. <laughs> That's too funny. They're, they're ashamed that they the Friday night crowd they're in absolutely, July is, You know what? Uh, You're right. They can't find an official attendance. It's probably like 12,000. It should be the, in the box score. It should be in the box score. Oh, George Bell replica jersey day, which I got. But then I went to, I, there's a lineup to meet George. And I went to go in the line with my wife because she knows I love George Bell. Right. And I get to the end of the line and these two teenagers said, oh, sorry, sir. We had to cut the line. They wouldn't let me in the line. I missed my chance to have a convo with George Bell. So you'll have to hook that up for me at some Folks, point. I'm awfully sorry here. I am on the MLB site, and I they, there's no listing for an attendance. Mike is right. They're trying to hide. They're trying to bury it there. They're and I, tw- I went to attendance. Twitter to search for Jay's attendance to see if somebody, like, I don't know, Mike That's Wilner wild. or somebody tweeted it out, and there was nothing. That's so. wild. Yeah, so I don't know what the attendance, announced attendance was. I think they have to, don't they legally have to tell you what the they, attendance they, is? They don't have to legally, <laughs> they don't have to legally do anything. All right. All um, right. I want to hear about your soccer thoughts. Yeah, um, so three big games yesterday. Which, first of all, if this was the men's World Cup of soccer, they would never schedule any other soccer, even like youth soccer. They wouldn't even have a youth Because nobody game. would watch it. No one would watch it. But, of course, with the Women's uh, World Cup, there was also the Copa America final between Peru and Brazil, which Brazil won 3-1, and the CONCACAF Gold Cup between the U.S. men and Mexico, won by the Mexicans 1-0 in Chicago at Soldier Field. But, of course, the big one, or should have been the big one, the Women's World Cup between the U.S. and the Netherlands at uh, Stade Lyon, in um in France, well, different times, right? Because one's happening yeah, in one's France in the morning. and one's yeah, yeah. in Chicago. That's true, but still. Uh, anyway, um, so the U.S. wins that one, two uh, 0 the final score. But a lot of complaints that they had to share the World Cup stage with the other two big international matches, and that would never happen during the Men's World Cup, and and it wouldn't. True. I, I, it's true. The other thing is their demand for equal pay. The women want to be paid the same as the men for the same job, but they aren't. Not even close. Um. Maybe this victory will turn things around, but I don't think so. You need to have more and more people buying tickets to women's professional soccer games and buying more jerseys and hats and stuff like that. I can't tell you the name of the team Christine Sinclair plays for. I don't know the names of the teams in the women's professional soccer league the same way I don't know the names of the teams in the ladies in the women's professional hockey league. And I'm not that up on the teams in the women's uh, WNBA. So we're talking about, just for example here, three professional leagues featuring female players. And their number one competition, of course, is the same leagues with male professional players, which have been going on for years and years and years and years. You can't just come along and in 20 years hope to cut into that, um, you know, that market. I mean, the Men's World Cup is going to be way more popular and always will be because it's been going on since like 1930. 
and because all of these players who play for their national teams go back and play for these good club teams in all the countries in the world. And women don't have that. There is no professional soccer league in Canada. So how do we develop Canadian soccer talent? All right. And in the United States, there's the U.S., uh, the, the, the Women's uh, Professional Soccer League. But again, they're not drawing huge crowds. People aren't clamoring to go to these games. So, so in these situations like the Olympics and the World Cup, this is when you got to make your hay. This is when you got to get the word out there that these women are good and they're, uh, and they're exciting and they're competitive and they're professional and you need to go and spend money to watch them play, which means there's got to be an infrastructure of leagues. Why did the Dutch have such a good team? They went to the final, lost to the U.S. Because in Holland, in the Netherlands, there are all these leagues, all these uh, young women playing soccer at all levels and they've developed an infrastructure and a pretty darn good professional league in the Netherlands which they don't have in other places. And this is the problem. Similar to women's hockey, there are only a few nations that play really, really good soccer, women's soccer. And most of the nations are not that good. So the, the, the divide between the U.S. and England and, and uh, Netherlands and Sweden compared to the other countries is huge, not unlike Canada and the U.S. and Finland, to a lesser extent, in women's hockey. That's a big difference. If you were to have the same thing for women's basketball, for example, I mean, look how good the United States women's basketball team is. I mean, they're going to win in the Olympics again. They're fantastic. But they've been developing that for many years at the college level. You go watch U.S. women's college basketball. It's good. And a lot of these gals go right on to play professional basketball in the WNBA and maybe in Europe. Don't have that in soccer. It's not consistent. There's got to be a way that each nation has a way to develop uh, women's soccer, so that what happens is instead of everybody clamoring for a Megan Rapinoe jersey, right, during the Women's World Cup, they're going to want her jersey of the club team she plays for and Alex Morgan, the club team that she plays for. Uh, and, you know, you're going to see more and more people, and not just young women, but people that are interested in the sport because they see it year-round or every single season. It's like, how is this team going to do? How's Megan going to do this year? How's Alex going to do? We don't have that. We have that with the men. What do you think? I think it's rather simple. They should have equal pay in the sense that they should have the same percentage of the whole. Like if the men's World Cup, I'm going to make up round numbers because I'm not very bright. But if 400 the men's World million. Cup, okay, 400 million. If that's what the men's World Cup generates, then the player should get X percent of that 400, how many? 400 billion? 400 million. Million. Well, that's it. The United States. Oh, the players in the get US. that. Oh, I see. I thought, the US. Okay. Well, the, the yeah, let's say it generates. I was going to ask how much money it generates. It's an enormous number, It generates number, right? four hundred million. Okay. All right. And the women's generates forty million. So there you go. So, yeah. So if the women earn ten percent less than the men, it's because the universe of money generated by the uh, by the tournament. Mm is 10% of the men's tournament. So you need to you need to grow, you need to, you know, increase viewership. I think a billion people tuned in, which sounds amazing. Yeah, but that, that's a one-off though, or just for the tournament. Okay, what but about a one-off, but if every but four about, years you can get a billion people to tune in, that's going to be a lot the, of money there. No, what do you do with the other three years? What do you do with the other three years when there's not a World Cup? The men are playing. I'm at Chelsea. I'm playing at Barcelona. I'm playing MLS for LA Galaxy. What are the women doing? That's the difference is. If you want to develop the women's game, you've got to start at the grassroots, but you've got to form a league. Look what happened with hockey. The North American Women's Hockey League versus the Canadian Women's Hockey League, and now it's all, it's all screwed up, right? So there's got to be a way because it didn't seem to be a problem when they were putting the men's leagues together. 
So because there was a, an enormous appetite to buy right. tickets. Exactly. So how do you get that appetite for the women? Now that you're coming off of the women's that's world the Cup. Million dollar, that's the million dollars. That's the question. And, and, and it might work in the United States, but maybe not in other countries. Maybe you don't. And the other thing is, how far does your entertainment dollar go these days? Look at the choices people have to go to live sports. There's tons. Tons. You've got to get people to say, I want to go watch the women play soccer. I want to go watch. I want to go pay money, go through the turnstiles, buy a hot dog, buy a t-shirt, buy a jersey, buy a cap, follow my team. You don't have that. You have it during the World Cup, and that's it. Because they were going, oh, there weren't enough World Cup jerseys. Or there was a record number of World Cup jerseys sold. That's great during the World Cup. Now, are you going to do it again next year when there's no World Cup or the year after that? That's the difference, okay? And some of it is bandwagon jumping. Oh, we love a winner. We're jumping on the bandwagon. But are you still that interested in women's soccer that you're going to go, whatever town you're from, into the, to the local uh, stadium and watch that team play? You're going to go pay money, take your kids, go to the game, cheer on your favorite players? When that happens, then you've got a, a good argument. But until that happens, I'm sorry. Right. No. And just to clarify my, my argument real quick is that when I say a percentage of the whole, the all the money generated by the world the men's world cup of soccer. Yes. Okay. Let's say that's a trillion dollars. Okay? okay. All right. X percent goes to the players. Okay. And in the women's world cup, if, if it does not generate X the same one trillion dollars, whatever mm -hmm. it generates, let's say it's one billion dollars, mm -hmm. then the players get the same percentage of that all the players? Whole. Well, you've got, that's a whole different yeah. uh, algorithm, yes, but yes, it should it be is. the same for men no, or but women. But also, too, look at the U.S. women are the champions, okay? Yeah. They, do they not deserve more than the runners-up? Of course. People that, than Canada that lost in the, in the quarterfinals or the round of 16? Of course they do. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And uh, I wish them the best of luck. It's, hard, it's tough, man. Did it's, you watch? Of course I watched. Okay. I have to. <laughs> I'm obliged to watch. Just, just checking. I didn't, and the penalty was a deserved penalty. That that girl, that girl from uh, Netherlands, got the boot up too high. That was a penalty in the box, and there you go. It's just that, yeah, it's just become very much based on penalties. The other thing is, I read a lot of the Twitter comments, and boy, a lot of people really hated the United States. They wanted them to, and even though the United States won, they still were, you know, um, saying, you know, talking shit on Twitter. You know, like yeah, United States, oh, because you won on penalties and stuff like that. Twitter really is a a, a, a cesspool. Uh, of, um, of angry um, people who feel that they, they've got to, you know, take shots. Um, kind of like Dean Blundell. It's just, Seth you know, Poole, Blundell? Okay. Well, it's just, you know, whenever you type something, can it, does it always have to be negative and, you know, smarmy and taking shots at people? Or can you occasionally write something that's, you know, um, I don't know, uh, uplifting. But that's and, why you don't follow people like Dean Blundell. Like, it's like you have to curate your list. Then. What's your problem with him anyway? He's just, You're the one who brought him up. I wasn't even thinking about no, that. You know that. He's just got a, he's got a wig. Didn't he used to do the morning show on one of the Toronto stations? Two of them. On 102.1, The Edge, sports and The station, Fan though. 590. Is he a sports guy? He was the morning show host on The Fan no, 590. I didn't ask you that. Is he a sports guy? As much as I am, I suppose. Oh, I don't think so. You know way more about sports than him. All right, uh, golf now. Uh, a thrilling finish at the 3M Open in Minnesota. Adam Hadwin of BC held the lead for a short time during the final round, ended up finishing fourth at 18 under par. The winner was 20-year-old Matthew Wolf, who got into the tournament on a sponsor's exemption and drained a 20-foot eagle putt on the 18th hole to win by one shot over Bryson DeChambeau, who also eagled 18, and Colin Morikawa, who could only birdie the 18th hole, uh, who finished in a tie for second. It was Wolf's first PGA Tour victory, 20 years old. 
He's got a swing that looks like Jim Furyk in a phone booth. <laughs> it's a weird looping backswing that must have been self-taught. But hey, when you you know when you shoot the you know twenty under par, uh, that's pretty good. Twenty-one under par. Also a good day for Canadians. Adam Svensson of BC minus fourteen. Same with uh, Calgary's Roger Sloan. Nick Taylor minus ten, along with Corey Connors. David Hearn seven under. Mackenzie Hughes five under. Yours truly was out at Crosswinds on Saturday. Ooh. It was 150 degrees. It was like, <laughs> man, it was like being in a blast furnace. We ended up in the middle of a storm for about half an hour, but the rain ended, uh, the course dried out, and it was hot. And the great thing about Crosswinds, they brought us water. Like the marshals came out and brought us water. Not at two bucks a bottle, free. Here you go. Two bucks? That would be a deal at a right, golf course. Right, here you go. And, you know, you're right. A lot of places are like, oh, we can take advantage of people. It's hot as hell. Six bucks for a water. (laughs) They came out with just like, you know, like ice chests full of water. uh, Was it because you're Hebsey or because you No, because they they did it for everybody. Because they don't want people passing out on the golf course, right? (laughs) That would not be good. You'd have to call an ambulance. You know how tough it is to get an ambulance over to the 18th (laughs) or 14th hole? So, I mean, little things like that. make. What what did you shoot on uh, Saturday? 88. I've been kind of stuck on 88. But in the 80s is good. In the 80s. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And the thing about golf, it's such a humbling game. Right. You know, one day you could be, you know, one minute you're shooting great, and the next minute you can't even. I mean, the first shot I took, it went off the toe of the club, went sideways. I'm like, oh, it's going to be one of those days. But yeah, it was great. Really nice out there. Of course, in fantastic shape. Beautiful views. Played with my uh, next door neighbor, Tony, and his uh, brother-in-law, Joe, and his son, Patrick. We had a really good time. And they treated us like gold. Good. Gold, Jerry. They treated us like gold. Um, Jake Gold. <laughs> and that's why I play at Crosswinds. And you should too. They treat their customers right. Go to crosswindsgolf.com. Tennis now, they've resumed at Wimbledon after taking Sunday off. The fourth round is underway. Milos Raonic slated to play Guido Pella. Or Pella. P- two L- two Not L's. Not from Italy. Two, uh, he's from Argentina. Two L's is you, right? Pella. Okay. The double L is like, you know? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it is in Spanish. Uh, Djokovic, Federer, and Nadal, the top three seeds also in action today. On the women's side, the number one seed, 23-year-old Ash Barty of Australia, was beaten by American Allison Risk, uh, 29-year-old, 3-6-6-2-6-3. A stunner. A stunner. The number one seed. Bounce. I'm not even that familiar with Ash Barty. I feel like... No, not too many people are. She just became world number one. Wow. Just because she's off... uh, So anyway, this... It's a great uh, name, Ash uh, Barty. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, So is Allison Risk. Right. That's a good name. She's going to get Serena Williams in the next round uh, in the quarterfinals. Pretty exciting stuff in tennis. And uh, we, we're not doing too much with tennis because it's sort of going on as we're speaking now. So if you're, if you're watching or listening to us, well, you can't be listening to us live, can you? You can if you have your uh, That's what I mean. If you're watching uh, or listening live, this is what's going on. But essentially, you know, someone listens to this at uh, 11 o'clock at night. It's like, what's this guy talking about? So I'm not going to get too much into what's going on right now in Wimbledon. This is the problem when you're in North America and there's stuff going on uh, live in Europe or Asia or whatever, uh, hours away. Try not Tell to get me, too much when does Milos play? Milos plays uh, today, which is Monday, around around now, right around now. Right That's, about now. Oh, we got to wrap this up and put on the television. No, 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 we're not going to. It's only the fourth. <laughs> it's only like it's only the fourth round here. So uh, we're done for this. That's it. Episode number one seventeen of Hebsey on Sports. It just flew by, didn't it? Lots, that was a lot of Kawhi talk still, and that will start to, I think that'll start to slow down now. Yeah. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. Hit him up at Toronto Mike. Check out his excellent podcast. Thanks as well to our wonderful sponsors, Crosswinds Golf uh, and Country Club. Uh, that's at crosswindsgolf.com and Tiden Performance Blades, tidenblades.com. If you like our show, please tell your friends and even your enemies. 
and write us a nice review. And if you're into a real good story, check out my new book, The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of, available now at fine bookstores, at not-so-fine bookstores, online at Indigo or Amazon, or just hit me up. Um, and let me know if you want an autographed copy. We can work that out. That's I'm the way to go. Hit at, up Hebsey Man. At Hebsey Man. It's the inspirational and true story of George Orton, the first Canadian to win an Olympic gold medal and the first disabled athlete to win gold. This man was a defender of equal rights back in the early 1900s, that women, that persons of color, that persons with disabilities should have the same equal access when it comes to sports as able-bodied people, as people who are not marginalized. A real interesting guy, spoke nine languages, born and raised in Canada, and then when Canada didn't want to have anything to do with him when it came to sports, he left to go to the United States and made his fame and fortune there. It's a heck of a story. Check it out. The greatest athlete you've never heard of. You know, when he was three years old, the doctors told him he would never walk again. I do, because uh, I've read the book. And he said, never walk again. I'm going to be a world champion. And they <laughs> went, ha, 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 young George. Well, guess what? He did. They were wrong. He was right. Uh, um, and uh, if you want anything else, hit me up at Hebsey Man. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Back with another episode of Hebsey on Sports very shortly. Until then, so long for now. <laughs>